Welcome to the Skillshop Pincast. This is episode 14. I'm Graham Clem. I'm Kayla Greet. And uh, today our guest is Todd McCulloch. Uh, Todd is a former pro basketball player, played with the 76ers and the Nets. Uh, he also played in the Olympics, is that right? That is right. Yeah. 2000 in Sydney. That's pretty team awesome. Canada. With, with Team Canada, the motherland. Mm-hmm. Oh, Canada. <laughs> Represent the maple leaf and our, maple syrup. <laughs> our Graham's half land. Canadian. So I am indeed. Oh, that's You're, a good yeah. half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as we as we speak, my parents are driving down from the border right now to uh, because they were up there visiting my grandma. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Todd is a pinball aficionado. You've been collecting for a long while. Collecting for about fifteen years or so. So I cool. uh, tried to get in when the before things got a little out of control in the pricing. So it was nice to lock down some of those. Uh, some of those A titles when yeah. they were when they had C pricing, so that for was, sure. uh, that was those were some good times to get into this. Absolutely, that's, that's like the end of the housing crisis for pinball. It's like <laughs> yeah. you know. the, the pinball bubble. Exactly. Yeah, so I've, I've been collecting for a while, and as you know, it just kind of gets in your gets in your blood. And at my size, it's a lot of blood, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of pinball addiction flowing through me. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to kick it. I like it too much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, gets the gets the juices flowing. That's right. Um, uh, so let's actually, you know what, let's just start there then. So you said you've been collecting for 15 years, and uh, what was your first game that you bought? First game, I, th- this is when you know you got a bad, is your first game is, is three games. So <laughs> I, I, I grew up playing uh, Whitewater in the, uh, in the well, not grew up, but in the in the U District. I played mm-hmm. a lot of Whitewater at a bar, uh, not too far from here actually, okay. and played a lot of Pinbot growing up at the roller skating rink, and a lot of 7-Elevens I used to frequent for Slurpees. They always had Pinbot all over the city. And in college, played uh, Medieval Madness. And so when I signed with the Nets and we bought a house and it was a nice finished basement that was empty except for a, a ping pong table and a, and a pool table, I thought, you know, this needs a, there's a nice wall there and I can fit yeah. you know, three <laughs> pinball machines. So I bumped into somebody who that was their vocation as they sold pinball machines to people. I said, I'd like a whitewater. And at that time I, I knew I loved uh, Jurassic Park, which is ironic that I don't have it anymore, but that was a game that I played growing up. So I wanted that. And I wanted a pinbot. And they said, we don't have a pinbot. We have a jackbot. I was fine with the upgrade yeah. and the DMD. Yeah. And they had the, the uh, whitewater and they said, I'm sorry, we don't have a Jurassic Park. We will get one in. We'll call you in the meantime. How about this uh, medieval madness? Would you like oh, this? Nice. I said, I don't know if I've played that enough to know if it's a good game or not, but fortunately I made the right decision. Yeah. I said Absolutely. yes. And so I started with those three. And I uh, realized, I knew I wouldn't tire of them because I'd played each of those for, for seasons of my life. And I didn't realize that it was, I was going to, you know, I thought maybe these are the only three great games out there. And then I started talking to people and pulling them and asking them. And they said, Adam's family's good. And they said, Junkyard's fun. And they said, Scared Stiff is good. And so all of a sudden, uh, as it goes, the basement just uh, filled up with games and <laughs> things got a little out of control. And they mm-hmm. sort of uh, continue uh, in that in that way. So it just, uh, that and then I discovered competitive pinball, and then that just opened up a whole new book of oh, worms. Yeah. Oh, yeah, busted wide open. Well, uh, so how out of control did it get? How many pinball machines do you own at this point? Well, probably in, you know, 35, something something like that, with uh, some of those games being out on location, which is good. So yeah. some of the games are, are earning a little bit and contributing to the to the game fund to make it a little easier to, to get the next one. Yes. That's, that's something that I just learned about you yesterday. I was talking to someone at SPL, and they're like, oh, did you realize he operates on Bainbridge Island? And I, I had no idea, so... It's a, f- a fairly fairly recent thing. I, oh, okay. I've always loved pinball, and I've always wanted it to be out there for the people. And I've always mm-hmm. enjoyed playing it on location. And if no one else was going to do it on Bainbridge, even though I, I know I'm not the world's uh, greatest technician, but if no one else was going to supply games to play in public, I realized I was going to be the one to do it and was approached uh, a few years ago by, um, by some people that were going to be opening up a place. And they thought pinball was really cool and retro. And they heard that I was the pinball guy mm-hmm. on the island and wondered <laughs> if I might want to operate some games there. And it scared me a little bit to think of, of the repairs and, right. uh, and my, uh, my technical skills were going to need to get to ratchet it up. And But I, I talked to uh, Rod Olson and mm-hmm. asked him, I said, you know, if, if I get into a problem where there's anything major, would you be able to help me out? And I said, I don't want to be a deadbeat operator and I don't want to leave them hanging with a broken game mm-hmm. for an extended period. And Rod said, absolutely. Tell them, uh, tell them you're in. If you have any issues, I'll, I'll come on a ferry. Nice. I'll come and help you out. So I thought, all right, mm-hmm. if I've got Rod helping me as my uh, my backup, then I can enter into this and in in good faith. And it was sort of a test for them and a test for me. And those games were about were there for about a year. It was uh, my Adams family, my jackpot, and my fishtails, and things were going pretty well. They were happy. I was happy. They said they had customers, some of them coming in specifically to play pinball, and other people were rediscovering it. Hmm. And I woke up on vacation to a text that said the place had burned down and was oh, struck gosh. by lightning in the middle of the night and oh. 
Oh. It was a bad situation. So one less Adams family. Fortunately, there's lots of those out there. Right. Um, but you know, mine is Ouch. mine is gone. So that's uh, that's not the kind of text you like yeah. to, to wake up to. No. So I wasn't sure whether whether I would keep going, but it was a bit of a, a trial, and I realized over that year that I really liked operating. I really liked being there and. Mm-hmm. trying to take care of the machines and then running into people that would come and tell me their pinball stories and how, yeah. how pleased they were that there was a, a place to play. So it's, uh, you know, we're, we're coming along on, on the island and people are, are rediscovering the game, which is great to see. That's Excellent. really cool. Yeah, we're going to have to get a list from you at the end of this so we can add it to the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks. I appreciate so, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gross oversight. No Bainbridge yeah, locations right. on the skill shot. Well, because I was <laughs> just associated good, with Todd's Good pinball house. day, right? Just take a, take yeah. a ferry over and mm-hmm. walk around the town, do a little uh, do a little pinball crawl. Yeah, that, that sounds, sounds great. lovely to me. I haven't been on Bainbridge in years. Changed uh, a lot. Yeah? But I, I like some of the changes. You know, they added a brewery, which, you know, some people, they just don't want any change. But I think if it's going to change and you're going to get an ale house and yeah. a brewery and a pizza place and Fine some cool spots, I, I like that kind of change. So there's mm-hmm. a, I've just really enjoyed the, the business people who, who own the businesses where my games are. And I'll go in and we'll shoot the breeze and, and you know, clean and make sure everything's working. And then I'll you know, grab a beer at their spots. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a nice pace on the island. Nobody seems like they're in that much of a hurry. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, uh, island living, island uh, island time is also something that I island is, time. Yeah, exactly. I get tossed around a lot. Yeah, um, that's that's very cool. Yeah, I I love all the islands of the Puget Sound. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> uh, come visit anytime. Well, thank you very much. I will hold you to that, Todd. You should. <laughs> well, uh, so let's yeah, let's talk about uh, your personal collection a little bit more actually, because you hosted the IFPA World Championships in 2012. 2012. Mm-hmm. It was in in June, and it was an honor to be able to to do that. My friends, uh, the, the Sharp brothers, Josh and Zach, uh, I knew that they were. Hosting the uh, the World Championships and and the first one I think was in Las Vegas and I really wanted to play and they looked and saw that I was ranked high enough that I, I got an invitation and uh, they sort of prefaced it by saying at this time I was doing radio broadcasting for the 76ers and they said Todd the good news is you you've qualified and you've made it to the World Championships in Las Vegas should you attend we've checked your schedule you're calling some games you're working so I don't know if you want to call in sick that weekend <laughs> and it, it just it killed me to have been qualified and not be able to take part yeah. in that uh, tournament it's a hard and decision if, to make. if I had if I had known then that I, I wasn't going to be broadcasting next year that that job was going to disappear then I made a I might have called in sick but at that mm-hmm. time right. I was thinking that might be more of a career it would be a bad move to call in sick for a pinball weekend so yeah, I, I turned down the nod and then uh, I was still uh, eligible the next summer when it went to England and um, at, at the time I'd always thought I would love to host this and, and my wife had actually uh, suggested it and um, I just thought you know I can see why people would fly from around the world to come to Las Vegas it's a world-class destination mm-hmm. I get that but are people going to want to come to Bainbridge Island Washington is that going to be enough of a draw for people to come and play and I just wasn't sure. And so the next year it was in England and I qualified and went and played. And it was outside of London, basically on a farm, just in a building. And I oh. had a blast and I met so, so that... many cool people. And I thought, yeah. okay, if these people are having as good an experience as mm-hmm. I am, then Bainbridge Island is going to be just fine. And so and my wife had said, uh, you know, I, she knew that there were certain criteria. There needed to be a certain amount of games. There needed to be a hotel nearby. There needed to be food provided. And she said, you know, I, I at that time there were less places that, that, could make that happen and sure. so she said we we have all those things and, and I know you'd like to do it so uh so why don't we do that so it was uh, it was an honor to be able to have 64 of the world's best players come from 12 different countries mm-hmm. and stay on the island and just it was really kind of surreal to wake up in the morning and have all these great people and players that I had met from around the world walking down the driveway with a cup of coffee just ready right. to, to compete and and uh do battle so it was it was really quite uh quite surreal and uh it was really important to me to play in the tournament, so I kind of asked the Sharp Brothers, so as a host, do I get an exemption to play? And they said, nope, it's October. Uh, you're ranked 217th right now, and you've got to be you got to be in about the top 110 if you oh, want to make wow. it, and you've got two months to do it. And so I, I, w- I was on a mission, and, and somehow I got lucky over oh, and over and, so and won the tournament in Chicago. Oh, um, I don't know how, quite how that happened, and then I came back, and I you know, won a small regional tournament and then did well up in Vancouver, and, and within a two-month span, I'd gone from uh, 217th down to 105th and had qualified for my own tournament, which made me happy to be That's putting in awesome. all this work and effort to be, <laughs> yeah. to be eligible to compete wow, and that... to be one of those uh, competitors, and I, I quickly got uh, 
busted out in a day and a half, and oh. then it was, uh, and then it was back to recycling runs and things. Yeah. I wasn't a competitor anymore. I was uh, back to being a host. Yeah, um, but, but you it was got pretty... in there. You got to play. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. that's it, it a was... hell of a climb too. Seriously. Well, it, it you know it helped to win that tournament in Expo. It wouldn't happen without mm-hmm. that. With with the quality of players that were there, I think six of the world's top ten were there, and uh, it jumped me up to about 130th, almost 100 spots, just by there we uh, go. by playing well when the when yeah. the time was was right. So I mm-hmm. I was uh, it was nice to be. You know, one of the one of the competitors in my in my own home. Absolutely. There was no there was no givens. That's that's exciting. Yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. Having having that depth of quality of players to beat them all like that's that's the only way you can make a jump like that I guess yeah. so quickly. Yeah. It was it was the right the right time and and I was uh, you know trying to be rested and uh, really I, I wanted people to be glad that they came that they that they took the time off work that they spent the money to fly from finland or japan or italy i really felt like i wanted to to to, i wanted them to be glad that they chose to spend their vacation and their and their resources on this trip so tried to do the best i could and so worked really hard leading up to it and and had a lot of help from from rod and and james Mm -hmm. Eads and jp and really a countless amount of people that contributed games and effort and tech skills and angelo murrow helped me uh kaylee george a ton of people and i know i'm leaving people out that helped me get ready and uh so i was trying to be as rested as i could and there was a whole bunch of uh lead-up tournaments that were going on in different Seattle locations. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to take part in those because I was busy getting the place ready. But some of uh, the people that stayed with me, uh, um, Trent Augenstein and Bowen Karens and, and some other people who are great players, they went and played in those. And they did so well that they would not they would be in until the final. So they weren't co- they weren't coming home until about the 205 ferry. Oh, wow. So they weren't getting home until <laughs> 3. And as a good host, I thought I should be up and awake to make oh, sure that they got boy. into the house. So, oh, that's so leading idea. up to the tournament, I think I had gone to bed at 4 a.m. for a few. But I was just kind of going Ouch. on fumes and yeah. uh, adrenaline and eventually crashed but uh to see that kind of talent playing in the in yeah. the basement and garage was was pretty cool yeah that's yeah i definitely so cool. i remember hearing stories of like daniela Kilari like just playing ballard tournaments like i just i didn't know anyone that well at the time so i didn't try to go out and like celebrity see you know sightsee <laughs> pinball you know? yeah right, right yeah. see all the see all the big uh, the big guns yeah in their natural environment mm-hmm. yeah he's a you know fantastic player and he's a monster <laughs> yeah he doesn't he doesn't miss i think bowen yeah. city saw him hit about 30 ramp shots consecutively on oh, iron man boy. and just you just laser accuracy and yeah. on those modern games if you hit your ramps you get a nice feedback to the in lane there's no reason mm-hmm. you can't do it forever and so some of those guys just seem to get laser focused and there's yeah. just nothing going to knock them off their game I can only imagine. I feel like one of the hallmarks of my pinball playing is my inconsistency. Like, I can slip into a mode and be just as good as anybody in the room, but then like I, I cannot follow it up for the hard, hard to stay me. on the top of the mountain. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I, I'm too. I'm, I'm too much of an impulsive, reactionary player. I gotta I gotta hone like my craft. It's kind of a fun yeah. way to play, though, right? It's, you know, know, who wants to cradle it at, at home? And uh, you kind of want to come out guns blazing, shooting from the hip, and just uh, exactly seeing where the ball goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be a renegade, a maverick. Yeah. <laughs> and if you stall for too long and miss your shot, you just look like such a chump. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I've cradled this ball. I'm like. Yeah, no, bricked yeah. and drained. You know, Unfortunately, like, I play poker that way too. Yeah. Though, so <laughs> be like Maverick in the movie and say, "I, I guarantee to lose for the first hour. <laughs> I guarantee I won't win a match for the first hour, yeah. and you're out. Twenty beats your five. <laughs> well, uh, so so you're not originally from this area. It's or it, this country, or yeah. this country for that matter. <laughs> Uh, so Manitoba, you grew up in Manitoba. That's right. That right. Grew up in Manitoba. My father was in the RCMP, the uh, Royal Canadian mm-hmm. Mounted Police, mm-hmm. for a long time, and so we moved around quite a bit. So I was uh, before I was born, my parents and my older brother were living up in the Northwest Territories in Tuktoyaktuk and Inuvik, and and uh, my father was flying for the RCMP all up in these northern villages, and and uh, some of the time his commissioned vehicle for law enforcement was a dog sled team, so he wow. would have to go between Inuit villages in a uh, uh taking a dog sled and uh so my brother was born in winnipeg and by the time uh i was coming along we had moved to winnipeg and then we went to prince rupert saskatchewan uh, prince rupert british columbia for a while then prince albert saskatchewan and then by the time i was nine we were back in winnipeg and so i kind of consider that to be my home where i spent my formative years until i graduated high school and accepted a basketball scholarship to University of Washington. Mm-hmm. There we go. And came out here on a recruiting trip, and just really liked the people, and just the attitudes, and just the just how easygoing everyone was. And to me, Seattle is the most Canadian city, and I just <laughs> I felt at home here. I tend to agree. Um, I'm, I'm very biased. Uh, growing up in the Northwest myself, and then you know half my family Canadian. But yeah, it, we're very simpatico. 
you know, it's Cascadia for you. And you're particular. accepting of us, and you there, there isn't a lot of ignorance about what it's like to be Canadian and, sure. and what uh, the fact that we aren't living in igloos and riding around in dog sleds, although that's what my dad used yeah, to do. Granted, right. granted. <laughs> there like, is still I think, some I think of that. The exception <laughs> that proves the rule, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Jim Carrey has a bit of a stand, stand-up where he's like, my friend Nantuk and I would play hockey and build igloos. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just I felt very much at home here and really liked the the guys on the team and the coaches and I knew that my parents were planning on retiring from Winnipeg and ending up on Vancouver Island oh, well, and yeah. there they were they were able to come home come here and and see every um, junior and senior home game that I had at university and that, it meant a lot to me to have them in the stands for a couple of really important years of my uh, collegiate career well, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, that's really incredible to have that kind of support in your how, corner. How'd you feel? Uh, yeah, and once you uh, once you were drafted, you went to the opposite side of the country, though. Yeah, that was interesting. I uh, I thought I was going to be in the first round, and most of the scouts I had talked to thought that, and I think my agents thought that. There was one scout that said, "You know, you're not even going to be in the first round." I said, "What do you know? Everyone else says this, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not going to listen to the one person who's saying that." Turned out he was the only one, either telling the truth or or was right. So I. Had graduated from the University of Washington and moved out of my apartment and went to go see my folks on Vancouver Island with uh, my wife. And we came back in, in her car and the government agents uh, at the border said, so where do you guys live? My girlfriend, now wife at the time, said, I live in Seattle. How about your boyfriend? Where does he live? I, I don't know. I just graduated from the <laughs> University of Washington. I moved out of my apartment. I just visited my parents. I don't live with them. I got drafted by the Sixers. They don't plan on keeping me. I don't know what's going to happen. He's like, here's your passport and good luck, sir. Hope you find a home. <laughs> so fortunately, things did work out. I didn't end up making the, the Sixers, but things were a little bit, little bit unknown there for a while. So I got drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, I grew up in Canada and then I came west and really, I don't think I'd been to the East Coast. And I thought, you know what, I think Philadelphia's in Pennsylvania. I think. (laughs) I remember the Philadelphia Flyers from my sticker books when Mm -hmm. I was a kid at growing up as a hockey fan and just wasn't sure how I would fit in in that uh, in that big sports metropolis mm-hmm. but it turns out if you if you work hard and and keep your head down and try and listen to the coach the the fans tend to appreciate uh, effort and that's what I tried to tried to bring so uh, the coach scared me a little bit when he said the the city has hated the last four seven footers we've had in Philadelphia. Oh, well, gosh. this is not going to go well. For me. Yeah, I don't, well, they can't um, hit the fifth too, right? right? Yeah. So, you know, fortunately, when the expectations are set super low, it's a little easier to uh, exceed them. So, someone like Sean Bradley is a friend of mine. He came in with super high expectations, and people wanted him to be Shaquille O'Neal, and it mm-hmm. just wasn't him. And with me, they didn't expect anything. So, when I could do anything, it was more than they thought. So, you know, yeah. start that bar low and then you right. can exceed it. That's like when I started for tournament pinball, I was like, just don't finish last and I'll be happy. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a good goal. There's nowhere to nowhere to go yeah. but up. I, <laughs> yeah. I went out to Pinburg with a friend of mine and I think he started the tournament in 399th out of 400. And he's like, you know, I, there's that only one spot more. down. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I f- finished 325th or something. So, yeah, he oh, was nice. happy with how he did. And and uh, so now it's uh, we have a good time at that at that tournament. So. Here's a question uh, that is not related to basketball or pinball, but um, I just got to know now, since you moved around uh, Canada a lot when you were growing up, who's your team? I'm a bit of a... Oh, for hockey? (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Well, the... You know, the... that crucial word in the (laughs) question. Yeah, no, I I should know, being a Canada, when you say that, I should know. Um, (laughs) It's... is and, and was the Winnipeg Jets, although we had about a 15-year hiatus where there there was no team. The team right. was sold and gone, and fortunately, over the last few years, we've been able to get the Jets back, and they're having a stellar season. It looks yeah. like they're built for the built for the playoffs, and I've got a, a friend who lives in Winnipeg who shares season tickets with another friend I grew up with, who it was my understanding that that, that friend was living in Seattle, and I heard once the team was back that, that those two friends were sharing tickets. I said, oh, I didn't realize that, that Rainer had moved back to Winnipeg. He said, he doesn't he doesn't move back. He's still in Seattle. <laughs> but he just loved the team that much. And just in case the, they make the playoffs, he wanted to have access. So uh, so he shares season tickets from here in Seattle and, and goes remotely when he's in town. So I was able to go to a game uh, – uh, last year, the year before, and just the excitement of the building. It's it's pretty small for an NHL arena, and it's just packed with with fans that are just they were just dying to get a team back, and they really oh, felt yeah. like their heart and soul had been ripped from them. Of the four, you know, major sports, uh, you know, I mean, soccer's in there now with as with the fifth. Um, sure, yeah. But that was the only one of the of the four major leagues in in the United States and in Canada that that the t- that the city had. And then when the Jets left. It just uh, people didn't really know what to do with themselves, and they just were there was such a hunger to support the local team, and now they're back and they're doing great. And the, I, I would think that the guys that play there really appreciate the support that they get from the fans. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard. Yeah, the, the, it's just an amazing fan base. People are so grateful to have their team back. Wasn't the, the Jets were taken away and moved to Atlanta? Is that right? Uh, they, we we purchased the Atlanta Thrashers to get the team back. And, okay, uh, I think they became the uh, the Wild. The uh, oh, after, all right. Yeah, that, that was uh, Winnipeg the to Minnesota, and then Atlanta right, and then then Atlanta sold their team to us and. Atlanta was somebody else before that, though. That was part of the, kind of that ill-fated move to try to push into the, um, the American South. Some of the southern states where, mm-hmm. where hockey just wasn't part of their, their history. And Winnipeg, oh. it was certainly part of their identity. And now they feel, they feel whole again. Although it, it does seem like, I, I know we shouldn't be talking about hockey for too long, but it, it does seem like uh, um, Nashville, uh, the Predators are doing pretty well, though. It seems like that's a pretty appreciative uh, fan base, despite the whole kind of fits and starts of the um, uh, you know Southern teams. I, I, I know in, in Philadelphia, there was a, a joke that there were only 20,000 Philadelphia Flyer fans, but they went to every game. And so you could be really <laughs> supported and you can fill the, fill the stadium and be really passionate about it. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a big hockey fan. I grew up uh, watching... Uh, uh, WHL uh, teams. Uh, I, I'm from the Tri-Cities, so we had the Tri-City Americans. Uh, but we had season tickets for, oh gosh, I want to say like 16, 17 years. So it was like a constant part of my life. Um, so I'm I'm really, really, really rooting for uh, Seattle to get an NHL team. Mm-hmm. That would be, I don't future. think the city knows what they're missing and just how great hockey is live. So I think that would uh, that would be a great thing to have a team here at that level. Absolutely. I think I think the region would take to it pretty well. I think that there's there are the right pieces in place, you know, Everett and, you know, technically Seattle, but Kent, you know, have their WHL team. So there's like there's a fan base ready. And just I think the waiting, rest of the mm-hmm. waiting to explode. I can't wait. Uh, it'll happen someday. We're we're just on the up and up. It'll happen. Uh, so I was at Shorty's last night, and uh, you know they've got those tables at the booths with a uh, that know, are old... pinball machines exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be able to play those. One's Bobby Orr, know, isn't right? It? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is is it Bobby Orr? It's I the one that so. it's like. Uh, it's right uh, by the change machine, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh It's got the the Blackhawks, the Chicago Blackhawks, mm-hmm. and then the other side just says. Canada. Yeah, with maple leaf. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why we're, we're just taking my... on the whole country. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It doesn't really seem fair. I'm going to go with Canada on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it baffled me for a moment. I looked at that and it's like, really? And just make it the maple leaves. You've already got a maple leaf on. Let's just make yeah. it Toronto maple leaves. And it's like, well, then I realized, well, this game was made in Chicago, almost certainly. So that's, that's mm-hmm. why that makes sense. But anyway, moving on from hockey. <laughs> Kayla, do you want to take it from for a moment? <laughs> okay, Sorry. sure. Um, I was wondering, like, I wanted to know about correlations between, like, high-pressure sports uh, mentality and, like, competitive pinball. Because it seems like, you know, with pinball, there's a lot of stop-and-go play. Yeah. So you have to, like, you play a ball. You might get iced out by your next two to three players, and then you're back in it. But, I mean, there's a bit of stop-and-go in NBA as well, but, you, you I mean, you're, like lots of pressure to hit those shots. Like. Yeah, no, I, I thought that when I got into competitive pinball, I thought that I would have an advantage over some other people who just didn't have that sort of pressure mm-hmm. as part of their daily job. And and I felt like I had responded fairly well in my basketball career in pressure situations, be it uh, free throws. And I'll, I'll segue away from this for a second, where I, when I was first playing for the Nets, uh, I was shooting some key free throws in one of my early games, and I wanted to prove to the team that I was a a worthy acquisition, and they were very important free throws. And Bowen Karens, before I knew him, was yelling at me from uh, from the stands on the upper deck, like, no, look, you suck. You're going to miss these free throws. So when we became friends, he's like, I got to apologize. I don't know if you heard me, but I was yelling at you. I'm like, you jerk. Oh said, I don't I don't come into your office when you're writing math textbooks and be, you, you wrote that equation wrong. And yeah, yeah, I don't heckle him. So we, uh, despite that, we've become uh, excellent friends. Was he um, just a, a fan of the opposing team? Yeah, he's just a was... Celtics fan, you know, okay. and I'm coming in, yeah. you know, well, he's cheering for the, for the home Celtics team. Celtics fan. I gonna, yeah. um, so I thought Boston that tried. I would, I didn't think, I, I thought I'd be able to handle myself in pressure situations, and I just thought I would have a bit of a leg up in those well, things. I have a quick question. Did you hear him from the stands? Like, how much uh, of that, do you just I, kind of block I out that not. white noise? Okay, I mean, good. it was, the whole place was uh, was, was yelling at me. Sure. So, uh, yeah. That place gets going. I had to kind of tune it out. I'll come back to the thing about pressure uh-huh. but it just reminds me of one of my favorite moments in the NBA it was we were playing with the Nets and uh, we had blown a 21 point fourth quarter lead against the Celtics and we had lost that game and the fans were just crazy in their uh, in their excitement and so later in the next couple days I we were in town waiting for our next game against the Celtics and I went to a a Red Sox game, and I was just waiting in line to go to the bathroom, and the fans in there recognized me, and, you suck, McCullough. How do you oh. blow a 21-point lead? Tony Batiste kicking your ass. You can't do it. I'm like, I don't even have to go to the bathroom that bad. I just got to oh, sit here and take God. it. 
And so we ended up winning the next game, went home, and then now we've got game six in Boston. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our family and friends are, I'm not going back there. That place is a zoo. They were, mm-hmm. there, was, there was so much intensity. But my dad, who's 6'6 and was in law enforcement and felt like, you know, he's not going to wear a Sixers jersey, maybe under his jacket. <laughs> but he came. And we win the game and we're celebrating in the locker room. Everyone's happy. The coach is happy. The GM's happy. And so I went up to each of them and I said, is it okay if Sandy, my father, travels back with us on the team plane? They said, hell yeah, Sandy can travel with us. So the flight home from Boston was the whole team drinking champagne and my father up oh, there with, so the, with the squad. So that, so that Boston just brings me back to that, uh, that good memory. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would be able to play well in pressure situations. And then all of a sudden I found out that I couldn't or didn't or wasn't. And even though there would be... 10 15 20 dollars on the line you know mm-hmm. 20 dollars to win a tournament some of these tournaments you got to pay 25 for parking right uh, and i would just choke up and my hands would get a little sweaty and my heart would get racing and i'd miss the flipper buttons and i would i would not play well when it really mattered and it really frustrated me mm-hmm. and i guess like and i just found the mechanisms were quite different and i think that's what you were saying is in basketball it can be harder sometimes to be on the bench watching because you really have no control over the situation but when you're in the game and you're playing and you're in the heat of the battle muscle memory uh, tends to take over and you're just mm-hmm. you're doing exactly what you've done since you're a little boy and so you're not really you're you're in pressure situations but you're just doing something that you're really used to and there's really no time to think about it but then in pinball you're right you're often you're playing head to head against someone and when they're playing you've got more time to think about it and mm-hmm. the better they're doing the more time you have to think about yeah. it so i'm trying to learn from uh from some of the yodas in the sport especially uh, bowen karens has been a real uh, mentor to mm-hmm. me and in, in helping me with the mental aspects specifically for how it works in pinball and you notice along with those great flipper skills that they have those guys rise to the occasion they play really yeah, well when the, when the time comes mm-hmm. and so Fortunately, you know, when I'll be in tournaments and, and when you're playing, no one can coach you or help you with strategy when you're at the machine. But then when you're away from the machine, you can go and talk to whoever you want. Right. So so Bowen's really always been there in my quarter, corner to help me. You got this lit, go with this, you mm-hmm. know, you can time this mode out. And what's been really cool is is playing doubles with them in a in a team tournament in, in Chicago Expo and just in in that case your partner can stand right next to the machine. They can talk to you, they can point to things in the play field, and I play my best pinball when I have him saying, "Okay, great, shoot this, shoot this." So we were in a match, and uh, and I, I mean, I know the game, Creature from Black Lagoon. I have mm-hmm. the game. I know how to get a super jackpot, but I was just so focused on listening to what he had to say and where to shoot, and and he was helping me with my accuracy and strategy, so I didn't have to worry about that stuff. He said, "Okay, go ahead, and uh, we need three shots into the snack bar. Three shots." And so I just take the first one very routinely. All right, I need. He says, "I need three. Here's the first one. We got to get three, and then that's all we needed for the super jackpot." But he knew if he had said, "Okay, super jackpot, don't screw this up. We're gonna win," and I, I would have probably blown it and gone too early or, or too late. Right. And it was like, "You lied to me." That is <laughs> but, uh, really but and I smart. think that he's doing that when he's playing. I think mm-hmm. mentally he's saying, "Hey, no pressure. You know, this could be lock three to start a multi ball." I think he says, "You know what? Treat this like lock one." And so I've started to do that a little bit on my on you know myself and I'm playing my cyclone on location and you start to hit that center ramp and you go up and then it's like million million I'll just have mm-hmm. it locked in for six or seven shots and then I can't hit that center ramp because it's saying million so I'm in my head I'm like it's 20k ramp it's just it just hit the first one right. and it seems to be wow. working so they, they've got an edge on us uh, mentally and I'm trying mm-hmm. to he's you know helping me with that part of the game and it's it seems to be working well, I imagine he'd be so good at that because he's, he's a math teacher by profession, right? So he's just, that's what he does every day is he gets things out and explains them in a logical fashion that like you can really relate to and hold it and carry with you. Right. So, yeah. He, I wish that he was my pinball coach. That sounds amazing. <laughs> just, just go talk to him. He'll, yeah. uh, he, you know, that, I think that's why he puts those videos out there mm-hmm. and writes those things. I think he just wants to grow the sport yeah. and, and he's less concerned with keeping all this information to help him in tournaments. I think he just wants to spread the, <clears throat> spread the pinball love and mm-hmm. really grow the sport and, and just does a great job communicating to people uh, the way they can get better and the way they can have fun and how they can have winning strategies and, mm-hmm. You know, it's another thing for someone to go out there and do those things. I mean, I know that Michael Jordan was a great basketball player, and I know why he was better than other people. I, I can't go out there and replicate that. Right. He can tell me what to do, and it's a whole other thing when you're when you're out there. Mm-hmm. So, Bone Karen's realistic. I'd like you to make a, a pinball self help tape that I can sleep to, <laughs> so that you know, just subliminally like soaks into my brain. Just like <laughs> bowling know? pins from the Big Lebowski, yeah, exactly. where you just you know the league championships. <laughs> you just hear the pins. Uh, you just hear super jackpot yeah. over and over in your head. That'd be super fantastic. Super jackpot. Ho ho ho. But yeah, lately I think for uh, like I, I mean I, I think we all get the same kind of pressures that in tournament play. And I mean yesterday I I did my best finish at Seattle Pinball League and got fourth place. Yes. And it, I literally just like took a, I I went into it thinking like. Okay, 
okay, this is my last chance to get into the finals for league. But then I just took all the pressure off myself. I said, just just play the game. Play well. Just, just play the game. Yeah. Play and, better. And I just let it go and just played against the game instead of against the other three players yeah, in the group. That's how to and, do it. And it went really, really well. So you're gonna keep you're gonna keep doing that. Yeah, I'm gonna try to just like not just heighten. get out of the way yeah. of your own head and exactly just play like you're playing in someone's basement because you are. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Once you step back from it, it's like this is a little silly thing to get stressed out about, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you're not if you're not having fun, then uh, we're we're doing yeah. it wrong. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. it's only pinball. Yeah. <laughs> As a wise Rudy once said. Yeah, that guy irritates the hell out of me a lot of times, he, he, though. He freaks people out. I, <laughs> yeah. I friend house sitting, and he's like, I, he's a my Rudy had broken, and his eyes were just stuck to the left. Oh, he's like, no. I want to play Medieval Madness next, but Rudy won't he's stop staring at me, at me oh, so I, gotta, I have to leave the basement. He's freaking me out. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I, I much prefer the... the the warmth of uh, of a red or a Ted staring at me, if yeah, you will. <laughs> sure. They seem less creepy. They really do. Rudy is something else. Oh boy! Uh, so, so you did color commentary for the for the seventy sixers for uh for how long did you do that? Did that for about five years, oh, which wow. was uh, even even longer than I played. So the time just kind of flew, and mm-hmm. just tried to have a have a good time with it, and and uh, wasn't I was hoping that you know the first year that I did it would be a time for me to recover and and uh, have my feet healed so I could get back on the court, and uh, so I was just trying to have some fun and. And Yao Ming ran in front of us. We used to be courtside and had just incredible seats. Oh, and so Yao Ming is six inches taller than me, and he's you know he's <laughs> a large man. He's amazing. Lar- he's not a you know it's not super skinny. He's got a you know solid build. And so he runs in front of us. And my radio partner says, "Todd, look at his legs." And I said, well, "What are you hitting on the guy?" <laughs> and fortunately, he wasn't listening. And, and he said, "No, no, look how big his legs are." So I say, "Tom, you've seen a Christmas story, right?" And he and he says, "No." With the lamp, or is yeah, that what yeah, yeah. Everyone's seen that movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you've seen course, the movie. All yeah. of our listeners at home have, have seen that movie. He says no, so I'm dumbfounded. Mm. I'm like, drop the mic. I can't say. I'm I'm just radio <laughs> silence, just shocked. And he's and so that's on radio. You can't have dead air. So he's like, what's your point? Well, what are you getting at? I'm like, <laughs> uh, well, in the movie, there's this leg lamp, and if it was modeled after Yummings leg, it'd be this giant lamp. And he's like, okay, can we get back to the game? I'm like, this, this is my first year doing radio. I'm gonna get fired. Right. I'm, like, I'm gonna oh, get canned. God. And then my buddy texts me. He's like, dude, I almost drove off the road. I was laughing so hard because <laughs> everybody at home knew what I was talking about <laughs> except my radio partner. Yeah. So. He would say things like, yeah. oh, the Sixers had a tough quarter and all they could muster was six points. I said, yeah, Tom, that's all I could muster. Now they need to catch up. He's like, oh, good. Condiment humor. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Todd, we're having some shot clock problems. We're having some intermittent issues. Yeah, Tom, a high of 24, a low of zero. Oh, that's so good. I love it. <laughs> so I just tried to amuse myself and then there were a few, a few listeners, I think, that got my quirky, weird sense yeah. of humor. And whenever really the ball would it. go over the backboard and hit the shot clock and the, and the stanchion and all that other stuff, I'd say, Plinko. You know, that's what it looked like. <laughs> Like to me from oh, Price right? is Right and uh-huh. what is this Plinko you speak of and so uh, you're like would, oh my partner's a, a robot he, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no he was, he was great yeah, we just yeah. had we just had different uh, senses of humor mm-hmm. and uh, I was just uh, you know threw in some oddball comments here and there I think that's good that sounds like a lot of fun look sounds like you really enjoyed it I, I did. It was uh, the next best thing to, to pl- uh, playing was being around the team, being a part of the team, and then also sort of gaining a second family. So you still have those friends and, and relationships with your teammates, and now you get to be one of the broadcasters, and you mm-hmm. get to know the producer and the director and radio uh, your radio partner and, and the, the color guys, and you're traveling on the on the team plane, and they had us staying in, in nice hotels, and it was just kind of fun to be part of such a first-class uh, organization. Word. Uh, well, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna project out into the future. Let's say that pinball continues its its uh, rise in uh, popular culture, and it just keeps going exponentially. And suddenly, there's an opportunity to be a commentator, color commentator for professional pinball championships. Would you want to do something like that? I I would certainly like to uh, contribute. So, uh, Bo and Karens and I have done some uh, some analysis for, okay. s- for some of these tournaments and some of the. Some of the Papa events and some rounds, and so uh, mm-hmm. I feel like he, Bowen and I work well together, and I think we have a you know good senses of humor, and we enjoy gets it. Your and Christmas he, story references, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> he, he gets a lot of that pop culture stuff, and he really knows the strategy. And I don't know all the all the strategies to all the games, but I I own a fair number of games, and I play in a lot of tournaments, and I have a, a general consensus of how things work. So I think Bowen is able to touch on the the finer details and more of the specific examples, and I can just sort of relate to them in, in other ways. So I, I think we make a good team, and mm-hmm. I have enjoyed doing. Uh, analysis for some of the broadcasts with Bowen. Excellent. Awesome. And I think that you'd be really good at like predicting the statistics or like uh, what kind of points someone has to make up to get to a certain point. So like you can look at the long game of it like, oh, okay, this person won first place in this round, so they need to get 
this, this, and this in order to progress to the next round. So yeah, it, it's always good to know where where people uh, where people are at. I know uh, 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 Nate Shivers on Coast to Coast has mm-hmm. been saying a lot of these tournaments they sort of need a scoreboard like golf has, so yeah. so a spectator can see you know what game are they on and and who's winning because often you'll be at a tournament and and you'll say who who's winning who's up yeah How who's many? playing right I now I don't know I think they have yeah. this many points so can are they is it wrapped up? Is it done? And yeah. you have to kind of read a lot of body language to see if someone uh, already has it won after two games. So I, I think mm-hmm. we're every tournament seems uh, things seem to get a little bit better, and there's more bo- broadcasts and, and more viewers, and and now there's lots of cool things happening in this industry with new manufacturers. So it's a pretty exciting time to be sort mm-hmm. of in the middle of this whole uh, whole pinball thing. And I think is. Carl Carl D'Angelo is doing a fantastic job in the um, the, the, the software. Broadcasting. Yeah. And just the um, the able to like draw on the screen with like tracing like a, shots, like a telestrator, Exa- and yeah. Things like that. Oh, I think it's so fantastic. Well, I, I'm the odd one out. I need to check this out. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Put me in the loop. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it sounds fantastic. I mean, all the um, <clears throat> all the major tournaments that have been broadcasted live are uh-huh. are archived on Twitch too. So okay, you can go through fantastic. and watch like Expo or Pinburg or Papa. I really need to. That mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, you learn a lot from watching those high, le- was, high level games. Uh, last week, uh, the Shorty's Annual, which I elected to uh, stay home for again, uh, I was following along on Bracklope, kept oh, on awesome. refreshing and seeing where both of you and others were yeah. uh, in the tournament. And Todd, you, you, yeah, you uh, got pretty, pretty good, far, huh? well, actually. Thank you. I, I thought I was I was getting far. It's like, okay, now you're playing Eden Stam. Okay, this is going to be tough. Okay, <sighs> I, somehow I beat Eden Stam. Did I win the tournament? No, you got to play Raymond Davidson. Next. <laughs> Oh, great. Okay. So I play that. Somehow I get lucky and I win that. Okay. Did I win? No. You get to play Jason Hatch now. Mm. Oh, oh, man. Goodness. What? Are you kidding me? So somehow that went my way. It's like, okay. Did I win? No. Now you get to get Robert Gagno as your pawn. I'm like, oh when does this, how many times do you have to win before? Right. And so it's a little bit like like Robin Williams, I think, when they're like, when he's describing the game of golf. He's like, you take this stick and you hit this ball so far a mile in a field and through the grass and you hit it and you knock it onto green and you finally put it in the hole. So you do this one time. No, 18 effing times. <laughs> so it's just like, how many guys do you got to beat around here to make the final right. four? So it's a real <laughs> testament to these guys that do win tournaments yeah. and just how many matches they win and I think how efficient they are and I think a lot of them just go to and out and they mm-hmm. they're very and I think the the you know staying in the winner's bracket is really key to oh be able gosh. to take a short because yeah. you end up in the in the dungeon you really got to fight and claw your way mm-hmm. out of there so I, I thought I was having a pretty good tournament it's yeah. just there's so many obstacles in front of you and it, it turns out that uh, we just have so many good players here in Seattle that there's oh, just yeah. uh, there's no easy matches and no easy mm-hmm. rounds and it's uh, it's kind of fun to be going up against the best and just seeing kind of where you where you stack up so pretty excited about uh, Robert's uh, wizard mode movie yeah. that's going to yeah, be coming out and I think too. it's going to be good for all of us in, in showing mm-hmm. pinball in a in a light and just showing Robert's growth as a as a player and a person and mm-hmm. how he's been accepted by the community and how much we all uh, appreciate what he's able to do and just how good he's gotten. He just, yeah. uh, you know, I thought having a 500 million point lead on Indiana Jones would be enough to win a game, but apparently <laughs> not. He's, uh, he's going to put up 900 you know, oh, million yeah. on a ball because oh, he can do that. And make it look flawless. Yeah. yeah and like, he just seems like he's not feeling any, any pressure. And so he mm-hmm. really handles those pressure situations. Great. And so I think we could all uh, learn something from the way Absolutely. he plays and executes. Mm-hmm. And, and for those of the, the that don't know, the shorties annual is best of three. So like, if you won your first game, you had to do it again. And but if you lost your first game, you had to just sweep it for the next two. Mm. So uh, I only made it to three rounds. I played Julie one against her, which came down to the ball ball three of our third game. You know, oh, in boy. order to win that one. Um, on Star Trek, no less. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember seeing like, that. Oh. I saw you were matched up on, uh, on Star, Star Trek, Trek with Julian. Like, R.I.P. Kayla. <laughs> um, and we both played really great games. Uh, and then I went to Dave Stewart and then Kevin Burrell. Yeah, I was like, man, a... ouch. Yes. <laughs> that's a rough draw. Yeah, and, the hits just keep yeah, coming. Like Kevin and I played WWE, and we both were just like, can we just <laughs> keep this to two games? I'm like, I don't even care which one of us wins. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to play a third game of this. <laughs> I, I'm one of yeah. the, uh, the few people, I think, that has that has that game. So kind of hoping that the programming... Uh, Catches up with yeah. it, and uh, and I, I like uh, John Trudeau and his design, so I'm kind of hoping that uh, something special will be coming mm-hmm. down the road. So we'll we'll see. I, I, I enjoy it, and I kind of grew up uh, okay. watching 
watching all those classic wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think the limited edition one that is at Shorty's, you know, has some, some cool features and I think it's a, you know, a more fun game than the, than the pro, but I'm still waiting, hoping that uh, they've, they've come around with a lot of their games and they made have. X-Men great mm-hmm. and they've made Walking Mustang, Dead great and yeah. Metallica mm-hmm. and Mustang and all those. And so I'm kind of hoping that WWE yeah. doesn't get forgotten and that it gets, uh, it gets an overhaul and that it could make it e- even more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is encouraging how much work they've been putting in uh, to the coding after the fact for some of their recent Absolutely. ones. Yeah, they made them just stellar. You know, mm-hmm. Walking Dead is off the charts, and uh, they're doing some really, really cool stuff. I think the future is uh, very bright for for them and for some of these other manufacturers. Mm-hmm. I think people are just hungry for for new pinball, and mm-hmm. pretty cool what's going on with uh, with the Hobbit. And I can't wait to see what uh, what Pal oh, has yeah. in store. And it just seems like he's excited, and Jack's excited, and everyone can't wait to see what's been going on sort of behind closed doors there in terms of. You know, almost like a, I don't know if it's going to be a paradigm shift, shift, but I think something unique is coming in the way the game is played or perceived. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone's been super quiet about it, but mm-hmm. I just think we're all going to be winners when uh, when we get to see what one of the masters has been doing. It's a good concur. segue because we wanted to talk to you about um, those boutique companies because you've had, um, you've been like you, bought into quite a few of them. Like you got America's Most Haunted. Um, I know that you were on the line for the J-pop games, but that, you know, was a whole disaster. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think that these companies that are popping up all over the place is just really going to kind of kickstart in the pants to like do something different. Like, yeah, I think you know yeah. innovation is is inevitable, and I think sometimes competition uh, forces that. And I know everyone's been been waiting for an LCD screen, and mm-hmm. I think that's definitely coming. I think with their with their spike system, they they've uh, they're preparing themselves step by step to be able to make that switch. And once they make that switch, they want to stay there. So I don't think they want to rush it out and just have one, and, and they don't want to take any steps backwards. So I think when they move to that. I think they want to be uh, want to be ready to just continue to move forward and with that technology of of the way that you can uh, describe things or the way that you see things with the way the game is played, but but still you know they have a knack for making games fun and for the way the games shoot and they have so many great veteran designers mm-hmm. that I I think you know despite having you know a dot matrix display I've I've loved every one of those games that they've put out and I just think that they have something uh, something really special and, and unique about them. Yeah, they've got a good groove that they're in right now. Some good consistency. Uh, to come some back good to... titles and. Mm-hmm. Ha- have you gotten the chance to play Game of Thrones yet? I got to play it at Expo, just oh, the nice. uh, just the pro version, and okay. uh, you know Trent Augustine of, of Tilt Amusements usually has a a great smattering of recent Stern games uh, for the tournament, and uh, and so I did get to play it, and I I probably put more entries in it than I probably needed to yeah. for qualifying because I just wanted to play it, and right, uh, yeah. you know at at three dollars and thirty three cents per entry, it starts to add up, but it was it was <laughs> worth it, and just to. Now, Steve Ritchie has become a, a friend of mine and someone who I'm I'm proud to know, and I just love how how hard he works to make his games. It's not by accident that his games feel the way that they do and the way those shots mm-hmm. flow and how satisfying they are. And so he's had a lot of time to work on this game, and he's really, I think he's sort of hit it out of the park. And so I'm really excited for uh, uh, for the limited edition that's uh, yeah. that's coming, and just even the the pro game, the way it plays and the mm-hmm. and the flow and the shots and the the dragon kickback and just and mm-hmm. and pairing with uh, Dwight Sullivan and and his really unique way to program and the amount of time that he's been given to get the the code to where it is so that upon launch there's there's tons there and different ways to play it and so i i haven't had a chance to read the five page guide that they uh, that they've put out but the fact that it's that's bulky. there's that much in there already mm-hmm. made it kind of a unique tournament game to see uh, who's going to choose this game and how are they going to play it mm-hmm. and i just think the more games they have where you can play them in different ways means that they'll they'll last that much longer and just a killer theme that they timed really well for for people that are really excited about an upcoming uh, season of the show. Absolutely, and I, I think they uh, inevitable book too. Fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when that's coming, but in the meantime, I'll enjoy the enjoy the pinball machine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I got to play the pro last week at John John's. Like, what did you think? I thought it was fantastic. Like, it's fun, isn't it? I was definitely underwhelmed by the art package when I saw it, and I was like, oh, was, you know, it's okay. Well, it might be where the LE steps in a bit more too. Yeah, right? LE made it look so much better, but then I played it and just the shots felt so good. Like sometimes I couldn't quite get up the ramp from either flipper, Yeah. but um, the dragon kick pack was lightning but fast. That's like, fun. Kind of like so that Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, the whiplash. Yeah, the whiplash mm-hmm. thing, yeah. Fortunately, it, it's, it comes back at you. It seems like it's designed to hit you on the flipper. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Rather than right down the middle. 
but uh, nonetheless, it's it's back on your flipper, and it just yeah. seems like every shot, it's just you know the loops, the orbits, the ramps, they're all right back in your mm -hmm. face, and there's barely a chance to, to take a breath, and there's just nothing in there to slow the ball down, right. which makes for a pretty uh, pretty adrenaline filled experience. Which so I think Game of Thrones should be like oh, it should be an fast intense. and furious <laughs> and, and just a battle. I guess yeah. it's, so I'm I'm really curious to see which uh, which house would you choose when you were playing it. Uh, I think ended up picking a Stark at first. Okay. So I, I did uh, play it uh, once or twice in the tournament. I, I did okay in the in the tournament in uh, Chicago. I thought it was great how they had about 128 qualifiers. So mm -hmm. everybody sort of makes it to the playoffs in a sense to right. get head-to-head -head play. Yes. And then the better you do, you know, the, every eight spots you get one less buy. So I think I qualified mm. about 40th or something. And I think you know uh, it allowed me to maybe not spend the whole time trying to qualify, and it allowed me to enjoy the show and some of the other aspects. And I, you know, it, it made, meant that I was going to need to win a few more matches to get there and some of those were played on, on Game of Thrones and so it was pretty fun to just get locked in on that on that ramp mm -hmm. in, uh, in Stark and just sort of build up your your value and then hit a spinner so it's it's kind of that that good risk reward that that's present in games like like Metallica when you're doing uh, crank it up yeah you know sure. how long do you want to risk this thing are or you gonna go all or nothing like when you cash out like well, yeah, yeah right before mm -hmm. you hit a bomb or something mm -hmm. like that so I think that's really good programming to allow you you know, as player two to think, okay, I'm down by this much. Mm -hmm. This is how I can play it. I've got to get my multipliers up and I'm going to have to take this thing to the end. Or do I play it safe and cash something and put pressure on them? So the mm -hmm. the mental aspect of head-to-head -head, uh, really changes, you know, whether you're trying to qualify in a tournament where you're just trying to put up individual scores and blow it out, or whether you're just trying to get enough to defeat your opponent just right. by one point. It's it's interesting, the psychology that goes into the game and the way the, the programming is allowing people to choose their own adventure. Exactly. And, uh, Sometimes at my games at home, I tend to play them to try and get to the end and, and complete things so I can see the wizard mode, and that's not mm -hmm. necessarily the best way to play them in tournaments. So I'll go to a tournament and talk to a better player and say, how do I play this game? Like, you have this game. I know, but when I'm at home, I play it to get to the yeah. end. I don't play it to win it. What, what do I do to, to win <laughs> this match? Nice points, yeah. So it's a, it's a whole different uh, frame, frame of mind and mentali mentality. Absolutely. All right. Well, Kayla, we were before we recorded. Kayla and I we were talking about uh, going to John John's yeah. afterward to play, play Game, Game of Thrones because I have not yet, and we're oh, gonna. You're, have, in, you're in for a treat. It's I great. can't wait. Yeah. You guys have me really psyched. Well, I was, you it. won't be let down. I was playing as House Martell because it's got that add a ball when you complete House mm, Martell. Cool. So like the you can just hit the center button and you can play it. You start your multi ball and get down to your last ball. Hit that button. Oh, wow. Four come back. You know, or well, the back to nice. four ball. Oh, it's fantastic. Kind of like on Tron, kind of getting a reboot. Yeah. But sometimes you think it's easy to hit that three bank, and then you miss it. So at least <laughs> the button's there. As long as you don't miss that button. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I, I think I was I think I was playing Walking Dead, and the ball drained, and I just hit the button just out of a frustration, and I think it just started Well Walk or something. Yeah. Next time, I'm still alive. And I think there's I think ACDC has something like that where uh -huh. you're like, please do something. Yeah. Or Lost World has a smart missile for a um, multi-ball start too. Yeah. yeah I, I love smart bombs. I think they're great. <laughs> um. Mm, well, uh, go, no, go ahead. I was going to ask you about uh, Predator too. We, and I mean, a lot of people haven't talked about that for a while since Skip B kind of skipped town. Yeah. But um, like, how much how, you, you've gone through a lot of like disappointments in boutique pinball. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, you take some chances, you take some some risks, and yeah. some some work out, and some don't. So mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of kind of disappointing some of those uh, some of those situations. So I'm trying to focus on the on the positive and all the all the good people in pinball that are doing good mm -hmm. things and try not to dwell too much about some That's of the, some of those other situations. Because you're in on Big Lebowski, right? I am, awesome. and you know, pretty excited mm -hmm. about. Uh, all the things that they're doing, and I believe things take longer than they right. uh, than advertise, but that's just part of this industry, and just yeah. trying to—it's the dance of trying to get all the parts in and get everything. But I, mm -hmm. I think they've uh, got a really great product coming, and really, really excited to uh, to play that thing over and over and over and over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I'm excited to come over and play. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's that's where I take you up on that. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah. there's also a Slurpee machine at Todd's house. Which well, yeah. well, well, yeah, well, well, so well. well. <laughs> Uh, currently, I think Dr. Pepper is in there, and I gotta uh, gotta load up the next barrel probably with Mountain Dew here pretty soon. Very nice. He'll hand me a box of syrup. Yeah, it's it's hard to really blame any of the boutique folks for right. for those delays. Like everybody but Stern, you know, like Stern Stern has their system. You know, they're mm -hmm. they're on time, they're moving, and you know that's gonna happen. I think it's gonna take maybe another game or two before Jersey Jack's able to really be consistently yeah. hitting the marks that they'd like they'd personally like to well, hit because Stern has that capital too that they've been that's true yeah that helps off. yeah um but so do you i gotta ask though do you know much about uh the 
progress of Big Lebowski? Do you know when, when you expect to see it or where they're I at? went the to the seminar in, in Chicago, and okay. uh, I think at first, for a long time back, their, their prediction was uh, around Q2 of this past year, and then that, that went by, and then they kind of pushed their delivery of the first games to Q3. And then that went bye bye, mm-hmm. and so now instead of saying Q4 or Q1, they're just saying, "Look, we're we're not going to put a date on it. We're just going to work on these games until they're ready and they're right, and then we're gonna we want them to be playing very well. So all we can say is that we're close and we're working, and they had uh, they had made five <clears throat> engineering samples that they had sort of debuted at the uh, Dutch Pinball Open, and they were going to let hundreds, if not thousands, of people play them all weekend, and they were going to use hey, that data yeah. and say, you know, how did these games hold up? Where did they fall short? So that we can make those things fix those things before like we start that. sending these games to the customer so <clears throat> they want to make sure that they have taken care of everything that they possibly can before these games start to go to their customers um, that's reassuring many of them here in the United in the United States and so they they want to they want to get it right so as a customer I'm willing to wait for the, mm-hmm. the right game that's not going to give me uh, headaches and problems so I want yeah. them to take care of as much of that on their end as they can but I just think they're uh, the care of the details and just the how much how immersed you are in that film when you're playing that game is pretty spectacular and uh, i waited in longer lines for for that uh, than any other game because it was one of my favorite games at expo to play and i every chance i had to you know if it was a few people in line it was it was worth it for me to wait just Mm -hmm. to get uh, one game so to be able to play that at my own uh, disposal and discretion oh gosh, is something yeah. pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, man. Can't wait to get my hands on that. I think there's, there's a number of them coming too. to the Seattle area. So yeah, I'm John John's slated to get one. That's yeah. great. That's oh. going to be a f- getting one too, I believe. I'm sure, so psyched. So. I'm so excited. And I, I yeah. was able to play The Hobbit at uh, Northwest yeah, Pinball and Arcade Show, and I, I can't wait to see that final yeah. product too. Oh, so many good games. So then, many good games. Lots you, of fun. Keith Johnson's doing a killer job on the on the rules of Hobbit. So many so many modes. I'm a mode based guy. I just like mode based games, and I can't wait to see what. Mm-hmm. I know I was talking to uh, uh, JP DeWin, who had, has done the artwork and does the animations. And I, by the time the second Hobbit movie came out, the game had been announced. So I was watching that movie with pinball goggles oh, on, man. thinking, "What <laughs> could this be a mode? This could be a great That's mode." So and so cool. I'd mentioned it to to JP DeWin, saying, "You know, I love that part where they're on the mountains and then the mountains break apart and they start yeah. fighting." Through, and he's like, "Yep, that's a mode." I'm like, "Yes, that's so awesome!" <laughs> so uh, I, I, I have a lot of faith in, in JP and in uh, in Jack and in, in Keith Johnson and the team that they've uh, assembled there, and uh, and they've got some mm-hmm. some wonderful uh, Ted Estes is a wonderful person and, and programmer, and uh, they just got uh, you know they they got some great people there. Yeah, definitely. And I'm super looking forward to a new Pat Lawler game from them too. It's yeah, that, I think that's going to blow the great. blow the doors. Mhm. Oh man. Cool, cool, cool. Well, uh is it time for name that game or I is think there we should, any yeah, Okay, cool. Start going to the wrap ups. Yeah, we're closing in on the hour mark. We're right on time. It all doesn't right. matter to me because we've had a great conversation. Here. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, all right, Todd. So you're familiar with Name That Game, but we'll just go over it again uh, for any new listeners because we should start, you know, addressing the new listeners, hoping that they're there. Um, so Name That Game, we're going to play some uh, audio clips of a pinball game. I have uh, pre-selected. Uh, neither Todd nor Kayla uh, have heard uh, what this game is so um, we're gonna go uh, ideally from hardest to easiest sounds you know that's subjective uh, from my end but uh, one at a time and uh, I think we should oh, you've got some pen and paper already so let's uh, set Todd up here so uh, that way if you've got a if you've got an answer you can submit it quietly <laughs> so there we go all right all right cool 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 y'all ready mm-hmm. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> How many times in your life have you heard that song? Oh, that was big time warm up music. You know, dating back to junior high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a favorite for trying to hype people up to get yeah. slam dunks and warm up. <laughs> All right, cleanse your palate, uh, calm your mind. Here comes the first clip. Any guesses yet? Not yet. It sounds nope. pretty familiar, though. Todd's writing. Hmm. Jeez. Let's see what you got. Holy moly. Nice work. <laughs> Kayla, it's all you. All right. <laughs> My job here is done. <laughs> all right. You ready? Yeah, go for it. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. It's fun oh. house. Oh, nice yeah. work. <laughs> all right. I guess it was uh, pretty easy. Once you guys both mentioned fun house, I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> They're ready for it. <laughs> Rudy's revenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the fastest that anybody's guessed it yeah. since episode You're one. Welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Professional well done. Uh, listening here. Fantastic. Okay. Well, um, yeah, we don't need to play the other sounds unless you guys want to hear them. I do. I will say that I like Funhouse for the um, simple fact that when you have four-player game, it assigns a nickname to each player. Oh, so like player one will always be Bucko, and like player uh, two will be like. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, neat. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Hold on here. I think I've got one of those in one of these clips. The last clip, maybe. Here we go. Maybe. Nope. Let's see. You can have it back. Yeah. There it yeah is. So like, Biff. Biff will always be that same player. You know, huh. like because hmm. I would. You know. It, you hear the, so many of the nicknames over in your head, and it's like, oh, it's just random, right? But if you pay attention to it in a, a multiple-player game, those names are assigned to you, each player. Hmm. Well, well, well. Oh, I did Rudy's not got know multiple that. personalities. Yeah. <laughs> he remembers you. <laughs> okay. All right. So I guess we should uh, move into the plug section then, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got go quite a few. Did you have any to start with? Uh, no. Take it away, and okay. I'll, I'll fill in any gaps. Um, so the day that this episode drops will be Wednesday, November 18th and at a ball tonight, if you're listening and around, they have offered to add $200 to the pot for the weekly tournament. If they get 65 players or more, Holy so that's going to be a really long endurance tournament, but there's another extra $200 on the line. I'd get out there and try. Um, and then shortly after that on Saturday, November 28th, Mitch Anderson is hosting his fifth annual leftover tourney. It's a $15 buy-in if you bring leftovers from Thanksgiving and $20 without. And it's capped at 50 players. Uh, you can go to the Skillshot calendar at skill-shot.com under calendar and search for more information there. Yeah, and as always, there are a million weeklies going on. Yeah. Uh, John John's uh, is now open again, and that means yeah. that they've got Tuesday tournaments as well. So, as does the 8-bit. Mm-hmm. Do not forget the 8-bit. So, depending on which part of Seattle you're at, you can either go... You know, northern for the John John's tournament or southern at the Epit. Um, yeah, and just Friday seems to be the the Seattle Sabbath. Like, yeah, we do not roll on Friday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, our next one, uh, wizardamusements.com is still offering twenty percent off of your order when you mention our podcast. Um, so at checkout, just mention the Skillshot Pincast, and they are also giving away a free shooter rod. We hadn't had any takers from last episode, so if you're the first, to email us. We'll just shoot it your way. Yeah, we haven't gotten an email for a few weeks, so we'd mm-hmm. really like to hear from you guys. It's skillshotpincast at gmail.com. I'm going to email right now, yeah. and since this episode won't come up for a couple of days, I'll get a uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> just sneak on in there. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, well, I, I'm going to... Uh, no, go ahead, actually. Oh, sure. Well, speaking of emails, I did get one yes. to my personal email from a um, Pierce McLean, uh, who's a friend of uh, Phil's, who we met at the show this year. Uh, oh, yeah, DC. yeah. So he says, uh, Dear Kayla, I love the new pincast as usual. It was particularly interesting to me because our tech is also one of my close friends. At first, it was difficult to balance our friendship with my constant need to bug him and tell him about nagging issues. But just like your interviewees, my buddy John does not want to be completely reduced to the pinball guy. But he also needs to know and wants to know when anything is wrong. It can be surprisingly tough to navigate this treacherous friend terrain. Uh, for what it's worth, he loved the episode too, but mostly because the talk about pay range got him really excited. As he says, I just want to be able to go into a place and play pinball without having to talk to anybody to get change. And that made me laugh, because it, but it also did illuminate what could be perceived as a downside to some locations. I know for us, he, he works at the Black Hat in um, D.C. It's like a punk bar. Um, we like making people come to the bar for change because it sometimes gets them an impulse drink once they're there. Personally, I think the the pros outweigh the cons, but I th- will be interested to see how different locations react to this technology. Yeah, for so. sure. And you just recently went to Olaf's and used pay range for yeah, the first time. Is that right? I think it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I accidentally loaded up $20 on my thing. <laughs> I hit it twice. So I was like, all right, well, I got $20 to play pinball. <laughs> so, um, and I used like seven of it or something because your first two games are free for the first time you play pay ra- use pay range. And I use those on Walking Dead because it's a little bit more expensive. Uh-huh. Um, and then once every eighth game is free, so you get like a pinball punch card, basically. That's awesome. Yeah. So once you play seven games or seven credits on that game, it just happens fills automatically. Up. It's mm-hmm. a passive pinball punch card. Yeah, it's uh. so cool. And it seriously took like five seconds or less from me swiping up on the game to add a credit for the credit to show up. It was like wait is quicker than finding quarters in my pocket. Nice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's the future. Yeah. Indeed. I was really impressed with it. 
Um, and then my last one is just a shout out to Phil Baird uh, in, D- in DC, um, who started up a, a pin, bo- pin pal postcard exchange with me. Uh, so I, it's been really fun. Like every couple days or once a week, um, I'll get a new pinball postcard in the mail from Phil about like, you know, how he did in a tournament or like his, his first interaction with like space shuttle or, you know, just some like pinball anecdote. So I encourage any of you who have long distance pinball, pin pal friends to just start writing each other and do little pinball anecdotes. It's really fun. I love it. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, once again, though, please email us. I'll get back to that in a moment, but in the meantime, you're listening to this and you're hopefully enjoying it. And we want you to let other people know, please rate review and subscribe to the Skillshot Pincast. You can subscribe. Uh, let me try that again. You can s- subscribe, Blah. subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or the podcast directory of your choice. If you don't have a podcast directory of your choice, you can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Skillshot Seattle. Uh, we want to hear from you, though. Uh, like I said, we want emails. For mm-hmm. We got a, a nice little burst of like, you know, half a dozen or so from folks and mm-hmm. from around the world. And it was really cool. And then it's radio silence again. So email us, skillshotpincast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're a regular listener, uh, please rate and review, like I said, on iTunes or elsewhere. We want to get uh, higher, higher ratings, help other people uh, who are listening to um, pinball podcasts find us so they can appreciate it like you do um you know but there's so many reasons you could write in at skillshotpincast at gmail.com if you beat jason score on kiss at Adaball, that's mm-hmm. our our new the one to beat we haven't really been keeping tabs on it like we would like but uh we also haven't heard from right. anybody to uh, th- that they've beaten it so let's let's hear that uh, if you've got a hot tip uh, you want to share, if you have suggestions for future guests or topics, if you just want to say hi or uh, you know blow off some steam or something, just just <laughs> write in. Or if you want a free shooter rod, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> beat Todd. He might forget. Yeah. To write in. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have anything else? I don't think so. No, I just been a real pleasure talking to Todd. So I thank you for being on the show again. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I love mm-hmm. your uh, love your show. I look forward to future ones. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Excellent. Todd. Um, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. We'll see you uh, next time. Bye.